Amen. What a message in that song. Amen. How many of you have had the Lord allow a mountain in your life? I'm listening to that song and thinking about the truth of it and in my own life. And um, a story I heard, I was pastoring my first church down in Madisonville, Louisiana, and we had got to go into a church over at Ben's Ford Baptist Church where a pastor named Brother Lynn Martin pastored. And someone was telling me a story about Brother Lynn, said that he got a call one evening, a member of his church said, you need to get up to the hospital, there's some people in the community. A young daughter was bitten by a snake this evening, and they're up at the hospital. Brother Lynn got to the emergency room, got in the hospital, and the father was waiting. He said, Brother Lynn, would you please come and help us pray? I'm so far from God that I can't pray for my own daughter tonight. And they say Brother Lynn took him in circled hands and he opened prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for the cottonmouth snake that's put this man upon his knees to pray for his daughter. And you know, we look at things in many ways. But God can use a cottonmouth snake for good. Because he's so powerful, he can work all things together for good for those who love him. Who are called according to his purpose. And who are willing to let him have control of our life. Tonight, if you got a Bible... And for the rest of y'all, take your little device, Brother Richard. I figured if I can't whoop y'all, I'm going to join y'all. But to those of you who are still holy enough to use a Bible, turn with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And we're going to read in verse 6 and read a few verses. And I want to talk to us tonight. That song so adequately displays what I want us to see tonight from the Word of God. I want to talk to us on the topic of the power of weakness. The power of weakness. And Apostle Paul writing right here in verse 6, he says, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who is shown in our hearts, to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. You remember when God opened your eyes and he shined the light of the gospel and the power of Jesus came into your life? He says in verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power, I want you to focus on that, the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. For we are hard pressed on every side yet not crushed. We are perplexed but not in despair. Persecuted but not forsaken. Struck down but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus also be made manifest in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also be manifested in our mortal flesh. Father, we thank you that in our weakened earthen vessels, these bodies we live in, that you saw fit to put the greatest treasure of all, the life of Jesus in us. Paul called it the mystery of Christ in us, the hope of glory. And Lord, I pray tonight that everyone will see that the greatest thing about being a Christian is that Jesus lives in us. And we have his life to give us strength and power to overcome this world and live the life he's called us to live. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. We look here. And Paul, speaking towards himself, he says, For it is God who has commanded the light to shine in darkness. The same God who said, Let there be light and created everything has shown that light into our lives, into our very hearts. 
to give us the light of the knowledge of who Christ is. And he says he's taken that treasure and he's put it in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. As we take a turn and look at that for a minute, God has put the life of Jesus in us. He says down there that he's done all these things, let all these things happen to us, that we can experience the dying of Jesus so that we can also experience the life of Jesus. If you look at the bottom of verse 10, he says that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. To me, that is the greatest example of the power of God. When the life of Christ himself, Jesus, the Son of God, is manifested in our life. Look at what he says in the next verse. He says it again at the bottom of verse 11. He says, Jesus also be manifested in our mortal flesh. And guys, if there's any enemy to the life of Christ being active in your life so that you can experience the power of God, it is the pride of your mortal flesh. The flesh thinks it can do it on itself. The flesh thinks that I am strong, that I can take care of it. And if we're honest, it takes a mountain, like he just sang, to make us have to believe on Jesus. If life was always perfect and good and a bed of roses, truth be known, most of us wouldn't be here tonight. But because we've come to know that life is difficult, that trouble arises around any corner at any ungiven time in this uncertain, ungodly place that we live that is not our home, we know that we need God and we need His strength. The Bible speaks over and over and over repetitively that God's plan was for His power to be made in His people, the church. When Christ had died on the cross, rose again, lived amongst his people right before he ascended. The last thing he told him to do, according to Luke's gospel, chapter 24, verse 49, he says, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but you go and tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. He said, Don't go and start doing what I taught you to do. Don't go and try to serve and minister for me till you get the power. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he starts the next book that Luke would write and he says that Jesus told him right before he ascended into heaven, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witness. Guys, it's impossible for us to represent Christ unless the life of Christ is being manifested in us and his power is working through us. Too much of ministry today, too much of church activity today is being done in the power of mortal flesh because many of us are more dependent and self-reliant on ourselves and our sufficiency to the point we don't think we need God anymore. And the truth be known, many services you could remove the Holy Spirit and it would go around business as usual. Because if God is our power and he is our strength, we have to learn that we got to depend on him. We need to rely on him, that without him we are nothing. Listen to this. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, one of my favorite verses, Paul said, Finally, brethren, stand strong in the Lord and the power of his might. See, for us to, to be able to represent Christ, we got to be walking strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might, he told the first Corinthians when he came there to preach, he said, I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. And you know what I've come to find? The more you can become to, to do better when you get saved, 
you overcome some of those old habits and you quit doing a lot of that stuff, you know, we don't cuss no more. Well, we ought not cuss. We don't drink no more. We ought not get drunk. You don't do a lot of them things. We begin to start thinking we don't need God when those powers in our life, he gets our life back together. But guys, listen, whether you want to believe this or not, our lives are weak. They're weak as an earthen vessel. Look what Paul says right there in verse 7. He says, we have this treasure. What treasure? The treasure of the power of God that's in us through Christ in earthen vessels. See, God didn't choose to use strong, mighty people when you look in the Bible. It amazes me who God uses. He, he uses earthen vessels, clay pots. Do you know how fragile a clay pot is? My wife's always telling me, don't break this, don't break that. I, I break stuff. Brother, we work on stuff, me and Brother Richard. I tell him, I'm good at tearing it apart. Get out the way. I'll let you put it back together. But not only are some of us just clay pots, earthen vessels, some of us are crack pots. I'm the king of the crack pots. All you Bethanites, it's so good to see y'all tonight. I'm telling you, I, I pastor a church full of crack pots. And if you are without flaw tonight, don't come down there because we'll mess you up. Worse than that, you'll mess us up. Because there is no such thing as an unflawed, perfect earthen vessel sitting in here tonight. If we get honest tonight, we got a lot of junk. We got a lot of stuff that we're really weak. We really ain't spiritual as we like to look. But God chose anyway in spite of us with all of our weaknesses and all of our flaws to put the greatest treasure of all, the life of his son, Jesus, in you and me. Amen. The hope of glory, Paul called it. I don't know about y'all, when I get up in the morning, I always ain't got a lot of hope what I got to go do and where I got to go do it at. But I got one promise, Jesus will be with me because he's in me. And friends, I want you to understand something today. If there's any time that something's been missing in the church today, in the times in which we live in ministry, it's the power of God. It's not where it ought to be. I hear the old time stories and I read the books of the old men and I say, where's that power? Where's that anointing? Where's the movement of a holy God that I read about, that I believe in, that I pray for? And I'm telling you, I believe I caught on to part of the reason I think I think far too many people are reliant in themselves. They're, they live in their own sufficiency. And they think they can do it without him. You know what Paul said about this subject? In 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, I mean 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1, Paul said, but know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. Anybody with any spiritual discernment at all knows we're in them times. And he says in those days, listen to this, men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. And you know what he said? Stay away from such people. Boy, we might have to quit hanging out with some of our folks. Amen. He said if the power of God ain't being manifested and it ain't working through them, they're, they're, they have a form of godliness even in the name of Jesus, but their life denies the power. Friends, the greatest witness of our life ought to be that people who know us best know that we're a crackpot. There ain't no way we could live the way we do. There ain't no way we could do what we do unless the power of God was doing it through us. The last thing we want somebody to think is, boy, what a pastor. I love Brother Dennis. I love coming up here. I eat lunch with him all the time. You know why? They crackpots too. They crazy. I hate to tell y'all, y'all staff ain't normal. <laughs> That's what I love about them. Because God don't use normal people. You know what God uses? Broken people. 
As long as you think you got your act together, as long as you can maintain and do it long, God will let you. And friends, there's too many people today, if you hadn't prayed, if you don't have a regular prayer life, if prayer ain't a necessity in your life, then you're self-sufficient. You think I can do it without God. If you don't have a time where you got to get in the Word because you know you're dumb, you're not smart, you're spiritually empty without a Word from God and you hunger and thirst for the words of righteousness and truth so that God can direct and guide your life, you're not trusting God. And the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge Him. Then He will direct your path. How's He going to direct your path? If you're just doing what you want to do because you ain't looking in the Word. A, a, a broken, empty vessel that he can put the treasure in realizes I have no truth, no righteousness. I'm empty. I need him. And friends, listen, spending time with Jesus, making time to where we abide in him. Jesus said, I am the true vine, you are the branch. Unless you abide in me and I abide in you, you can do nothing. The source of the life of Christ is Christ. You can go to church every time the door's open. You can read and go to all types of, listen to good music, spiritual music. But guys, if you're not spending time alone with Jesus, sitting in a quiet place, letting Christ and you have quality time together, you're not going to have the power of God in your life. Now friends, God has a way of doing things that gets us to the place where we realize we need Him. I want you to look at this. He says right here, he says in verse 8, we are hard pressed on every side. Yet we're not crushed. I want you to remember that word hard-pressed, especially out of what we're looking at. He says we're perplexed, but not in despair. That word perplexed, that's not a word I use much. And I know I'm redneck bad, but perplexed. How many of you go around, I was perplexed this morning. So I, I looked it up to see it. It means to be completely baffled, very puzzled. To be bewildered and dumbfounded, Confused to the point of bamboozled. You ever been bamboozled? Man, I, I don't know about y'all. I looked at that and I said, I have been perplexed. Amen? Pastor in the church of perplexion. <laughs> but you know what? He says, though we're perplexed. Listen to what he says right there. We're not in despair. See, people look at it and say, man, what's going on in his life? I mean, he's hard pressed. But he ain't forsaken. He's still talking about Jesus. He can't even explain to himself why this is happening, what's happening. He got troubles, but he ain't in despair. Look what he says after that. Persecuted, but he's not forsaken. He's struck down, but he's not destroyed. Why is that? Because before we can experience the life of Christ in this body, you first got to experience the death of Christ. And the old man has to be crucified. The mortal flesh is strong and powerful and it's, it's prideful and it thinks it can do it. So what does God do? He puts mountains in your life. He puts troubles. So you turn back with me to chapter 1 right quick of this same book. Chapter 1. We're going to look at something in verse 8. Now how many of you have ever heard this saying? God won't give you more than you can handle. Do y'all believe that? Because that ain't in the Bible. Just like God helps those who help themselves. Find that in the Bible. God works in mysterious ways. That ain't in the Bible, although it's true. Cleanliness is next to godliness. My mama told me that. Hey, mama. It didn't work. But God won't give you more than you can handle. I used to hear people tell me that. Don't worry, preacher. God ain't going to give you more than you can handle. He gave Paul more than he could handle. And he gives you more than you can handle. Because as long as you think you can handle, you're going to handle it. As long as you can get by on your own sufficiency... And do things in your own strength, in your own power, you're going to get by in natural ability. 
But God puts things in our life that natural ability can't handle. So that you have to believe in supernatural ability. And friends, I don't know about y'all. I'm glad for them mountains Skeeter sang about. I don't like them. But boy, once you get to the top of them and you say, Jesus, you did it again. You give him praise. I want you to see what happened to Paul. In verse 8, look what Paul says of chapter 1. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble. Most Christians today, they don't, they don't, they do just like, we want you to remain ignorant. We don't want you to think we got troubles. We're wonderful. Man, we come into church, you didn't even speak to your wife. You got out one side and the other, slammed the door, you walked in, you didn't even talk, we'll come in. Hey, how y'all doing? Hold hands. Your kids are so mad at you. You mad at them, you spit nails. Eight in separate rooms. But you come here, oh. You see? Paul said, I, I, not do I, I want to hide my problems. I don't want you to be ignorant. I want you to know I got troubles. <laughs> he, listen to what he says right here. He says, for we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia. And friends, listen. If you think God will put on, won't put on you more than you can handle, look what he did to Paul. Paul says that we were burdened beyond measure, above our strength, so that we despaired even of life. Guys, listen to what that's saying in some other translations. It's saying in the, the, the NIV, it's saying that we were under great pressure for beyond our ability to endure it. See, God will put pressure on you. In the King James, it says you were pressed, you were crushed. You were pressed beyond measure. The, the pressure that God put on you was beyond our ability, Paul said, to measure. To the point... That we were without strength. We weren't even able to endure it. Listen to what the New Living Translation says. We were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. That we thought we would never live through it. You know what Paul's saying? This trouble was so bad. It was so overwhelming. It was pressed down upon us to the point we thought we were crushed. We thought we were going to die. <laughs> and guys, Paul says this. Paul couldn't handle it. And listen to what he says happens right below that. He says, yes, in verse 9, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. Why? That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God. As long as you can live your life without prayer, without getting in the Word, without having to spend time with Jesus, without living with a consciousness that God is with you and has you, and you can do it on your own, you will. And you'll never experience the power of God until you realize how weak you are. The power of weakness, if you want the power of God, you've got to realize how weak you are. Listen to what he says right there. Verse 9, yes, we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in God, but in, our, in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Look at verse 10. Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will deliver us again. Friends, I don't know about y'all, but because he's got me where I'm at, I believe he's going to get me to where he needs me to get. Amen. He's going to make us get to where we're going, brothers and sisters. But friends, listen. You can't do it in your own sufficiency. Look at what Paul says he learned. Look with me in chapter 3. Look at what Paul says in verse 4. Now this is what Paul learned through difficulties and troubles. Paul says in verse 4, And we have such trust through Christ toward God. Through Christ, Paul said, we have such trust. Listen to what he says in verse 5. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. Paul said, we have learned that we have no sufficiency in ourselves. We don't trust in ourselves anymore. But our sufficiency is from who? God. Friends, you know what? You got to be taught that. And you know what? 
a sermon usually won't teach it to you. <laughs> you got to learn it the same way Paul did. You got to learn it through hard knocks. You got to learn it through trials. Adrian Rogers said that a faith that's never been tested cannot be trusted. And God will put our faith to the test. Listen to this. Proverbs 24.10 says, If you faint in the day of adversity, your faith is small. Adversity strengthens, it tempers, and proves our faith. And it causes us to have to trust God. Now I want you to think about this. If God would never put anything on us that we can't handle, we would never have to trust God. And friends, God puts stuff on us that we can't handle. You know, the Apostle Paul, he says that this treasure that he put in us, it's unbelievable. The life of Christ, that the power of Christ that's in us. But guys, listen, when God begins to do stuff for us, he begins to bless us. Have you noticed that before long, have you ever heard of self-righteousness? Some of the most self-righteous people is the people who's been in the church for a long time. I, I like it, some old, somebody like I used to be or some that's been out in the world way too long. Most people give up on him. He shows up at church. The kind where they said, oh no, it's going to fall in this morning. He comes in. The last person they think from Bethany that would come in the door on Sunday morning. He walks in the door. He gets saved. His life changes. Man, he gets so full of Jesus, he starts showing out. He starts just changing. You know what I've noticed happened in most churches? There will always be a few that will look. And say, man, what's he doing? Where does he think he can come in here for? He's trying to take over. He's just trying to serve Jesus. And you got to get full of Jesus, man, for long if you're not careful. You'll begin to think that you don't need God. Man, there was this boy that got saved at our first church. God bless his soul. He, he come right out of the world. And man, he had a lot of troubles. He got saved. And man, he was there every service. So he started taking up the offering. He wanted something to do. Brother Marvin, give me something to do. Give me something to do. So he got him usher. So he started taking up for a while. He said, can I? Can I pray? Can I say the prayer? Man, he started saying the prayer. He started confessing his sins, man. Standing there, Lord, I, forgive me this day when I was pumping gas. I looked at that lady. Oh, Lord, help me not to do that again. Lord, thank you for forgiving me. Lord, and, and everybody was like, don't let him pray no more. I'm like, he ought to be praying more than anybody in the church. Because he's honest. He's real. He's saying, I'm weak, Lord, help me. I said, man, you know what? We, they was embarrassed. Do you think God was embarrassed? No, because we're weak whether we want to admit it or not. But you know what? God has a way of keeping us where we know we're weak. Before long you get saved, you forget where you came from. You'll think that you never used to be like that. And you'll forget the main truth more than anything. If it wasn't for God's grace, you would be like that. The only difference between you and those people out there with all those terrible things in their life, is that by the grace of God, God showed you the knowledge of Christ. He's shown into your heart. And in the face of Christ and the knowledge of who Jesus was, he put the life of God, the Son, into you. And that treasure is the difference that he put in you. And you was an earthen vessel, a crackpot just like them. Only you've been saved now. Now guys, listen. Paul was a man who had a lot of things to boast in. He had a lot of things that he could have got puffed up in. So you know what God does? He keeps us humble. If you're not long for a while, I go to church now. I never miss. I'm a tither. I'm in the choir. Man, they couldn't make it without me down there. They need me. You know, the truth of the matter is God don't need any of us. But he uses us. And he chooses to bless us. But guys, listen. If you'll turn with me to chapter 12, I want to show you something in Paul's life. That 
I've seen this, and I, and I don't know about y'all, but I don't like when I have to go through troubles. I don't like adversity. I don't like to admit I have infirmities and weaknesses, and I have things in my life that I'm not proud of, that I'm a crackpot. But Paul was a man who had a lot to brag of. Matter of fact, the Bible says in this passage here in chapter 12 that he was lifted up to third heaven. Listen to what it says in verse 3. Paul says, and I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows how he was caught up into paradise and he heard inexpressible words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast except in my infirmities. Now why would he say that? I'm only going to brag in my infirmities. I'm not going to brag and tell y'all that I got to go to the third heaven and hear things that mere mortal men should never get to hear. Listen to what he says in verse 6. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth, but I refrain lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, what God had told him, he says, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Now, I don't know about y'all, but it's hard to believe that God would appoint Satan to come and put a thorn in our life. So listen, the pride of being self-exalted and to the point that you're self-sufficient is the greatest danger to the grace of God being a reality in your life. Because you can't earn grace. You can only beg for it and ask for it. Grace is given to people who don't deserve it. And friends, listen. Paul says, and this is a hard thing to grasp, but listen to what he says in verse 8. Concerning this thing, we don't know what it was, but we know it was something Paul begged God to get rid of. He says, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. How many of you have been saying, God, get this out of my life. Move this trouble. Make life easy. Why don't you make life easy like them other Christians? Why are you making it hard for me? Paul had it tough. He said, Lord, three times, please remove it. And listen to what he says the Lord told him. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that he might depart from me. Look at verse 9. And Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My strength is made perfect in your weakness, Paul. Until you're weak, I can never be strong. Until you realize you have no power, you'll never ever be able to have my power. So you have to learn, Paul, to be content in the weakness that your earthen vessel represents. Because that's what I'm going to put the treasure in. Listen to what he says right here, right below it. Paul says, therefore, most gladly, not like most people, therefore I'll accept it, God. I'll stay the way, leave the thorn if that's what you want. Paul says, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmity that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Leave me weak. Leave me an earthen vessel. For you can have your power in me. Listen to what he says in verse 10. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then I am strong. You know what I find? When things is going good in ministry, and right now, we're being blessed at Bethany. Things are going good. I mean, everyone likes me. That's usually pretty good. As far as I know, ain't none of them left because of me. And ministry's good, and people seem to be happy, even at the church. But you know what? 
When things are good and everything's going well, it's easy for me to coast in Marvin. It's when things get tough that puts Marvin on his face and makes me daily dependent. You know the most dangerous time for us to get away from God and get in the power of the flesh and lose the power of God is when life is manageable. When life is to the point I can handle it. When life, I can take care of it myself. Watch y'all. But Paul had a thorn that God said, I'm not taking away, Paul, because I want to use you. I want to work my power through you. I want to manifest the life of my son in your life. So, Paul, get used to it. My grace is sufficient. How many of us have that mindset tonight? Lord, if you've got to leave that trouble in my life, if I've got to have this problem, if I've got to have this weakness, if it allows you to be strong and for your power in the life of Christ to be manifested in me, I'd gladly boast in my weakness. I rejoice in my infirmity because when I am weak, Jesus, you are strong. And Paul was able to say this. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He didn't learn that reality easily. He learned it through difficulties and through Christ continually being his strength. Tonight, the reality is that there's some of us that doesn't have prayer on a regular basis. Some of us pray when we are in trouble. That's better than no prayer at all. The reality is some of us tonight are so in need of God that you might have been on your face all day. But when you are in between, what we need in the church today is for God's power. Would you agree with me tonight that the power of God is the greatest need in the church tonight? Why don't we have it? I think because in America we are getting pretty good at doing church without him. There's a story of a and I'm going to close and we're going to pray. There's a story of a Chinese missionary that came to America. The missionaries had went over there and ministered in China and they brought him back. And he hung out a Chinese pastor. And he went back to China and they said, well, how else the great church in America? He said, it's amazing what the church can do without God. And they say that's a true story. Friends, listen, those people in China, there's a book you need to get a hold of. You need to read the insanity of God. These people, their dependence and their reliance and their brokenness to call on God is so far from us. It convicted me so bad when I read it. They'll pray for days on end. They'll go for miles on end just to hear it. And they'll have church in threat of imprisonment in life. Do you know how you get to be a pastor of a church? In China, up until recently, you have to go to prison for your Christianity. They call going to prison for your Christianity their seminary. <laughs> and when you get out of prison, if you're still willing, then they'll let you be a pastor according to that book. Friends, I don't know about y'all. The power of God is in the church in China. I'm telling you right now. You read about it. We need that power in America. And friends, tonight, what we need to do is say, God... Whatever we need, we need your power more than anything else. We're going to take a moment, and we're just going to bow our heads. And tonight, let's just be real for a moment. Does the power of God rest in our life? Does his sufficiency give us strength? When our children and our spouse, our neighbors, when they look at us, do they see a life that manifests the glory in the life of Jesus Christ. Lord, tonight, if I'd be real, 
I need more of you and less of me. And Lord, for each person in this room tonight who's a Christian, I pray for that one who right now, who has a problem, who has a need, who's been thinking, Lord, I'm weak because of this weakness, because of my inability to deal with this, because I can't handle it. And Lord, I want to thank you because that person is a candidate for the power of God tonight. But Lord, the person I want to pray for even more than them is the one who came not thinking he needed anything. Like the church of Laodicea. Lukewarm. That Lord, you would stir our hearts. That you would move in our lives. That you would allow things that would cause us new and afresh to have to depend on you and trust you every day, every moment of our life. Father, bless this church. Thank you for Brother Dennis and the ministry here and for what you're doing. But help us, Lord, to be every day reliant upon you, to trust in you, and to believe in your power to help us to live a life that brings you glory.